Welcome today to our online internet church service. I am so happy that you're here today joining me on Passover Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, and we just rejoice together that our Lord Jesus has risen from the dead and that He's alive today. He's alive in our hearts, and the Holy Spirit lives in us. Praise God forever. Today, let's begin our service by honoring the Lord by bringing the tithes and offerings into the storehouse of God. I have a verse for you from Genesis chapter 1. This is the first book in the Bible, first chapter in the Bible. And let's go down to uh, verse 31, the last verse in the first chapter. Genesis 1:31. Then God saw everything that He had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. And of course we know that on the seventh day God rested. Everything was done so well. And it says that God saw everything that He had made, and indeed it was very good. Not just good, but very good. Really in your life, with Christ as your Lord and Savior, what you want to do is you want to reconnect with that original mandate. You want to get back to that original assignment, that original level, which was what, Pastor Stephen? Well, it was a place where everything was very good. And in Christ, we now have eternal life, and your sins can be washed away, and you can have the joy of the Lord, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit, and God wants your life to be well-ordered, and God wants your life to be well-structured. And anything, please listen to this, anything that does not meet that original mandate of very good, you need to go to work on that. Praise God. It could be your living situation. Maybe your living, your living situation is not very good. Maybe it's not even good. Well, Pastor Stephen, what am I supposed to do? You're supposed to use your faith, and you're supposed to trust and believe God that you are in a place that glorifies the Lord, that you are in that condition of Psalm 112, verse 3, which says that in regards to the man who was blessed of the Lord, that there in your house are wealth and riches. Praise God. Yes, God wants you to have your own house. He wants you to have a residence that makes you happy. And it should be a place that, according to Scripture, is very good. God also wants you to have a very good job. God wants you to be plugged in with the career field that He's called you to, that He's anointed you to function in, and He wants you to have a very good job. If you're not in a place like that, you really need to consider what you need to do to make it very good. If, you're, if your lawn, if your grass is not good, you need to make it very good. Hallelujah. If your kitchen is not good, you need to make it very good. If your shoes are not good, you need to go to work and make sure that they are very good. Hallelujah. Every area of your life, your health, where you also are aware of that. You know, that's very important, your health, the way that your body is. You want everything working just right, and you should have very good health. You should not just, you know, just drag through life and think, well, you know what, it's just normal to be sick often than it's normal to live on medication and pop pills all the time. No, uh, we, we thank God that we can aim for what? Very good health. You want your frame of mind to be very good. You want to be in a place where your mind is healthy, your mind is strong, your mind is happy. Glory to God. You want good 
very good mental health and most importantly on the inside of your heart you want everything to be very good you want just like you may want a garden on the outside that's beautiful you want the garden of your heart to be very good on the inside Ooh, thank you, Lord Jesus. So always stick with the original assignment. Always go with the original mandate, which was what? It, it's that when God made it originally, everything was very good. And so in Christ, that's what Jesus is doing. He's getting you back to, to where everything is good. Have you ever stopped to think about how Jesus introduced the Holy Spirit? When he told the apostles that he was going to leave, they were very sad, but he said, oh, it's, it's okay. He said, it's actually better that I leave because when I leave, you know, there, he's basically saying, there's just, there's just me. I, I can't, you know, give each of you the time, the attention that I need while I'm in this one body here on earth. And I, he, in other words, he was saying, I have limitations as long as I'm here. But when I leave, the comforter, the Holy Spirit will come. And now the Holy Spirit can take that full time to minister to every single one of you. And it, it was really an amazing thing because as you and I know, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of the believer. So, so now you have the full time attention of Jesus all the time. And it's just amazing. Praise God. So Jesus introduced the Holy Spirit as the comforter. I, I still just, I think that's the most amazing thing. Did you know that one of the primary missions of the Holy Spirit is to reveal Christ to you and to make your life comfortable? He's actually called the Comforter, and it is a primary role. I mean, that's how Jesus introduced Him. It is a primary role for Him to make your life as comfortable as possible praise God. And that includes making everything very good in your life. What does that do? When things become very good in your life, you have a very good job, you have a very good marriage, you have a very good family, you have a very good living situation. What's going on? Everything's becoming comfortable. And that is a primary assignment of the Holy Spirit, the great comforter, to make your life just as comfortable as possible. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Think about that uh, this week. That's an amazing, that's amazing realization. The Holy Spirit comes to make your life comfortable. So as you honor the Lord today with your tithes and offerings, as you bring them into the storehouse of God, I want you to realize God wants everything in your life to be very good. And the Holy Spirit's going to help to do that because He's the comforter. He's going to make sure everything's very comfortable in your life. Even your bed. Look, if you're sleeping on a bed, that you can't even really sleep on, and you know it's it's just not right. Uh, I, I you know years back I had this this mattress that just uh, really did a number on my back, and I could I could lay down and go to sleep feeling uh, totally fine, and wake up in the morning with a horrible backache. Why the mattress? Well, I decided to get rid of that mattress and get something that was very good. And just by having a good mattress, I begin to have very good sleep. So it doesn't matter what it is. The Holy Spirit will help you get back to that original mandate of everything in your life very good. Woo! Somebody's going to get a very good car. Praise God. Yes, that's God's will for your life. Praise the Lord. Somebody's single, you want to get married, God's going to give you not just a spouse, a very good spouse. Woo! Praise the Lord. Always go for the original the original mandate. Praise God. Now, 
When you're sending in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, our zip code 28654. Again, Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina, zip code 28654. Praise God forever. Those of you that are bringing in your tithes and offerings online, you can do so. Please visit the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. And there's a link on the homepage called Tithes and Offerings, Sow and Reap. And you can go right there. and You can honor the Lord with your tithes and your offerings. As you visit the ministry website, please note also that we have a new tab on the website called Projects. And you'll see projects that we have completed, and that is because of your gracious giving and honoring the Lord with your strong giving. And we have a new project. We are going for the Ministry Aircraft Hangar, 8,000 square foot hangar that is available that the Lord has given me the green light to go for. And you know what? We're going to need it. And so we are endeavoring to purchase that hangar. And uh, you can uh, give an offering just $37 will help us to purchase one square foot, and it's 8,000 square feet. So every, every square foot counts, praise God. And we are moving towards that goal by visiting the ministry website. You can see that project uh, under the banner called Projects. Praise God. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your people, that You are blessing Your people in a mighty way. Your Holy Spirit, the Comforter, is helping them to make their lives very comfortable, and you are helping them to have everything in their life very good. Father, we thank you that this is the way that you do things. And so we line our lives up with your word, bless your people, bring everything in their life into the condition of being very good. Now we thank you. We thank you. That's exactly what you're doing in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Today, let's begin in the book of Ephesians, chapter 3. And I would like to discuss today the subject of the triumphant church. Praise the Lord. Today is Easter Sunday. Today, Christians all over the world celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, the Passover lamb, was in a sense that lamb whose life was laid down as a sacrifice, his blood was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins, and for the redemption of all who will put their faith and trust in him. And we are celebrating his life, his name, his greatness today, the person of Jesus. Praise God. Ephesians chapter 3, today we are going to begin in verse 8. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word today, let the anointing of your Holy Spirit come upon our minds. Let the spirit of wisdom and revelation just pour over the eyes of our heart. Thank you, Father God. Let the anointing oil of your Spirit come all over us to see unveiled the mysteries that you have, O God, revealed to the church. Now we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8. The Apostle Paul said to me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, 
which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. Verse 10, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God. Stop just for a moment and say that. Say, the manifold wisdom of God. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church. Okay, so this is something that the church knows, and it says that it might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly realms. Praise God. Well, God has given to the church the mind of Christ. God has given to the church manifold wisdom. And by the church, by you and I walking in the wisdom of God, it speaks to the defeated powers of the rulers of the darkness of this world that Jesus did wipe them out and defeat them at Calvary through His death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And now the church is in a place of preeminence, and the powers of darkness have been defeated. Now, Satan is a dethroned foe. He is defeated. Now, to the world, to the unbelievers, He is still their Lord and their Master. But to the believer, to the child of God, to the believer who is in the church of the living God, Satan no longer has any authority over the people of God. And the only authority that he has would be authority that a believer would yield or give to the devil, whether through ignorance, whether through sin, whether through an open door. But technically, as a child of God, the enemy is defeated and has no authority over the life of the believer. Praise God. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly realms. So through operating in this manifold wisdom of God, we keep and we put the enemy in his place, which is a place of defeat, which is a place of him having been dethroned, and we rule and reign with Christ over every enemy, over every adversary of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord forever. Now, it speaks here of the manifold wisdom of God. The Amplified Bible translates the word manifold as being the complicated, many-sided element of wisdom with innumerable aspects and infinite varieties. That's what it means by manifold. It means complicated, many-sided, innumerable aspects and infinite varieties of the wisdom of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 it says, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. This wisdom is so brilliant. It's so amazing. But remember, the wisdom of God is hidden. It is hidden. And it's hidden so well that Satan and all of these rulers of darkness, all of these evil spirits, they didn't know that when Christ laid his life down 
at Calvary, Satan didn't know that that act actually sealed his eternal doom. Wow, if they had known that, they never would have done it. That's how well veiled that mystery, that facet of God's wisdom was. The last day church will be the church known for operating in the manifold wisdom of God. Woo, it's coming all over your mind today. It's coming all over your mind today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. This is the hidden wisdom, hidden even from the beginning of the world. But God is now making it known to the church in these end times. And we as the church make it known to the principalities and powers. You've lost, you're defeated, and you have no authority over us anymore. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, let me say this. The church is a triumphant church. I don't want you to see yourself as a militant church walking around wearing combat boots, you know, like carrying an M16 machine gun. That's not really your role. Why? Because the enemy has already been dethroned. Colossians chapter 2 verse 15 tells you that all the powers of darkness have been stripped, dethroned, and defeated through the great act of Christ at Calvary, which is what we as Christians are celebrating all over to all over the world today. Hallelujah. I'm telling you at Calvary, Jesus, through that death, burial, and resurrection, wiped the enemy completely out. He has no authority over you at all. None. Now, those that are lost that are in the world, he, he is their Lord and Master, but not us. Satan has absolutely zero authority over our lives. So let me say this also with a grain of salt. Although Satan is a defeated foe, you still don't want to, how can I say, insult the devil. That would be out of place to do that. Let me see if I can give you a a few verses that would help you understand that. Uh, Ecclesiastes. Let's go there just for a moment. Yes, the devil is defeated. Yes, the devil is dethroned. Yes, the devil has no authority over you. But be careful you don't do things and get in the flesh. I've seen Christians get in the flesh, and they, they do things where they, um, uh, they say things they, sh they shouldn't say. I've seen Christians... Uh, even preachers say, you know, like mocking or making fun of the devil, they'll say, Satan is retarded. Satan is an idiot. And, uh, you know, Satan is a moron. Uh, th that's not right. You shouldn't do stuff like that. You shouldn't say, you shouldn't say things like that. And uh, let me see if I can explain that to you today. Praise God. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 17. Solomon said, I set my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. This is, you know, you know, the book of Ecclesiastes is the book that theologians agreed that Solomon wrote after he had backslidden and come back to God. So look what he says again. I set my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is grasping for the wind. 
Yes, it was. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 9. So I became great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Now remember, he's also diving as deep as he can into folly, foolishness, and madness. But he also said in verse 9, also my wisdom remained with me. Satan knows that he's defeated. He, he, he actually has read the entire book. He's read the book of Revelation. He knows his end. He knows his end. But even though he has fallen from such a great height, even though there is not an ounce of goodness in him, he is 100% total darkness and total, total sin. Even though he is in that state, he still has retained his wisdom. He still knows things. He still knows uh, laws of science. He still knows things about the universe. He still knows things about biology and science and stuff like that. See, the same thing happened with Solomon. Solomon dove into the depths of folly and foolishness, but he maintained his wisdom. So, don't, don't, um, how can I say, get smart alecky with the devil. Yes, he's defeated, but uh, don't don't degrade. Let me let me say it like that. Don't degrade in a, in a sense where you you start like I'm going to start cursing the devil. Don't do that. I remember years back, uh, Jan Crouch, uh, the wife of Paul Crouch. Of course, they're both in heaven today. Uh, Jan Crouch told a funny story. She said that she was with a very young Christian believer. And you know, uh, you know, this is this was the thing to do for Pentecostals or Charismatics for whatever reason back in the 1990s. They, they a lot of Christians got on this kick. Let's curse the devil, and not even really knowing what that meant, they just thought it's fun to curse the devil. You know, you know, belittle the devil, degrade the devil, or whatever. So um, Jan Crouch said that she told this one lady. She said, "Hey, let's go curse the devil. Let's go up on a hill and curse the devil." And this, you know, baby Christian, she was a full-grown lady, but she was a brand-new Christian. She didn't know what that meant, so she just thought, okay. So they, get, they go up on top of the hill, and Jan says, okay, let's curse the devil. Well, this lady started cursing the devil and started calling him every four-letter word that you could think of and just screaming profanities at him. And Jan was like, well, well hold on a minute. That's not quite what I meant. But you don't, have any busy curse, you don't have any business cursing the devil. He is already a defeated foe. You don't fight a defeated foe. A very godly prophet, a man that had a very close walk with the Lord, said that he was in a meeting one time when some young ministers that were inexperienced in the spirit realm, these young ministers were trying to cast an evil spirit out of a lady, and when they were doing it, they were actually kind of, how can I say, like degrading the evil spirit in the woman. You know, come on out, you stupid devil. Yeah, you, you idiot devil, come out. And a male voice spoke up through that woman. It was, a, it was a voice of one of the evil spirits inside of her. And the evil spirit said, we know that we are defeated. We know that our eternal destiny is in the lake of fire. But in the interim, we would appreciate it if you would not speak to us with such insulting language. So that's all I'm trying to say. If you have to deal with the devil, cast him out and move on. If you have to deal with the devil, bind the devil and cast him out. But don't get into this thing of name calling and degrading. That, that's, not even, that's not even something that you should do. Don't do that. 
Don't do that. Praise the Lord. I think there are some spiritual laws also that we should consider when we talk about these types of things. The letter of Jude only has one chapter. Let me come down to verse 8 and read this to you. It says, Likewise also these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. This, even in our American culture today, has now, has now just completely come out, along with other types of degradation of society. We're now also seeing this, where you have junior members of Congress even sometimes some, some of these new, newly elected officials are even young. They're not even 40 years old yet. But yet they will rail against the president and curse and profane him and say all kinds of things about him. That's wrong to do. They reject authority and they speak evil of dignitaries. And let, let's, let's go back some years. E even when I did not vote for President, former President Obama, I never spoke in a sense against him. I never railed against him and said, this man is, you know, and just blast him and stuff like that. I never did that. Did I agree with his policies? No. But I prayed for him, and I just, you know, I thought, well, Lord, he's in office. I'm going to have to pray for him. But I'm not out there just blasting him, calling him names. That's, that's wrong to do. That's wrong to do. And even if you didn't vote for President Trump, he's in office and for you to speak against him and just rail against him, that's out of order. That's completely out of order. Verse 9, Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Very, very interesting. Pastor Stephen, what's all that about? This argument between Michael the archangel and Satan arguing over the body of Moses. Well, here, obviously, this uh, is bringing this out as scriptural truth. This actually happened, and there is, uh, there is an old document. Of course, the Jews were familiar with this uh, when Jude wrote this. But today, I think we only have one document, really, today, at least in evangelical circles that I know of, and it was discovered in the in the year 500, like 560. Uh, and actually, let me say it like this: it dated back to the year 560, then kind of got lost in church history, and was found in the late 1800s by some scholars, and they realized, oh, this is that letter that is known as the Assumption of Moses, which is an ancient Jewish writing. And they knew about it during the Lord's day, but it basically explained what happened with Moses' body when he died. Now, today, if you want to read the Assumption of Moses, it's in PDF file on Google. Uh, just Google it, and it'll pull it up, and you can read it. Uh, I think it's usually right around chapter one somewhere. Uh, but uh, it's it's not a how can we say canon of scripture document. It's not God inspired. But there are things that are written in that document that are accurate, and they're so accurate that they were even quoted by Jude, and what he quoted is under divine inspiration. So this event actually took place. And what happened when Moses died, according to the Jewish tradition, and where this, where this story comes from, 
Moses was about to die, and he took Joshua and Caleb with him. And they went up on the mountain, and Moses died while they were up on the mountain. Well, Joshua and Caleb began to come down from the mountain, and when they did, they both, particularly Joshua, they both had a vision. The vision that Joshua saw was higher, and had greater depth, because he had a deeper walk with God. But basically what took place is that Satan shows up, and he's wanting to take that body. And he's wanting to make sure that, in a sense, the Israelites know exactly where Moses is buried at, and a shrine is built, because he knew that if he did that, they're going to they're fall into idolatry, and they're going to end up worshiping not the message, but the messenger. And, you know, that was pretty well proven, even with the brazen serpent that was lifted up. You know, the, the Israelites ended up worshiping the brazen serpent, and so they had, they had a, a tendency to, uh, to fall into that. So Satan, it would appear, wanted the body for that purpose. But Michael said, no, God wants the body to be buried in a specific place, and I'm the one that's going to go take it, and I'm going to go bury it. And so this argument broke out, and Joshua was able to watch the whole thing, and after the whole thing was wrapped up, he came down from the mountain, and he told the people what happened, and of course Caleb said, yes, this is true. But what took place is that this argument's going on, and Satan is saying to Michael, no, I've got a right to, to do with this guy what I want to do, because he killed an Egyptian, and buried him in the sand. So I've got the right to take him down and bury him in the sand the way I want to. And so this argument goes back and forth, and Michael basically says, yes, but, you know, God has atoned and covered all of Moses' sins, so you still don't have authority to do that. So back and forth it went until the Lord spoke out with lightning and thunder, because Michael said, Satan, the Lord rebuke you, and the Lord came and rebuked with a mighty voice, and Satan took off, and then Michael was able to do what he was wanting to do, which was to bury the body of Moses in a ravine, where nobody would ever find him, and nobody would ever know about that. And that is called the Assumption of Moses, and that's the story of what took place, as mentioned here in this one verse. Praise God. So you have to be careful with authority. I'll, I'll rebuke any devil that gets in my way. But I'm not just out hunting for demons. I'm not out trying to just stir up trouble. I'm not out trying to throw hatchets at the moon. Because if you throw stuff up there that you're not supposed to throw up, it can come back. I'm not looking to get involved in things that God never told me to get involved to. Pastor Stephen, come rebuke this demon. Well, how do I know I'm supposed, supposed to rebuke it? And if I do rebuke it, are you going to have another one come right back because you're not living right? So, you know, I only tackle things that I'm supposed to tackle. I only rebuke and cast out what I'm supposed to rebuke and cast out. Praise the Lord. And if you do that, you'll always have success. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. But you need to understand, though, that when you're dealing with the devil and you have to deal with him, you're dealing from a position where you are above him, he is beneath you, he's defeated. That's why when you know your authority and you have to deal with the devil, he already knows he has to go. If you exercise that authority, he already knows and 
evil spirits, oftentimes, if you could see what's going on in the spirit realm, you don't even have to scream and shout. They will bow their head. They already know they've got to leave. And even high-ranking principalities, they will bow, even rulers of darkness, if you come with that authority, and this is the path you're supposed to go, they're in that path, you just show up, and they will bow their head, and no argument, no fighting, they'll just leave. They'll just leave. Now, there can be some, they'll put up a little, you know, uh, you know, a, a little show, so to speak. But uh, the moment that word's delivered, they know, time to pack up, time to pack and get out of here. Woo, praise the Lord. They know authority. And when you come to them in that authority of Christ, they know they've got to go. Praise the Lord. Jesus, we give you praise today. Proverbs chapter 25. Proverbs 25, verse 2, we are unveiling today the multifaceted wisdom of God. Hallelujah. Wisdom that can even appear to be concealed. Wisdom that is so brilliant, but yet concealed, that the world doesn't understand it. The world doesn't even know about it. Praise God. Wisdom hidden so good that Satan didn't even know that when he pushed to get Jesus crucified, that it actually sealed his eternal doom. Praise God. Proverbs 25, verse 2. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search out a matter. Now, we're told in the book of Revelation that you and I are kings and priests in Christ. So, as a king, it, it's, your, it's your glory to search out a matter. Search, dig, dig, and you'll find, you'll find the gold. Praise the Lord. It is the glory of God to conceal, to hide a matter. Why does God do that? Because He veils it from lazy people, even lazy Christians. It's, it's there if they'll look for it. If they really want the answer, they'll find it. But they're not willing to dig. They're not willing to do that. So for them, it stays hidden, even though it can be right beneath their nose. They can even read the verse, but yet not understand what it means because the, the light of the Holy Spirit doesn't illuminate it. So they stay in darkness. I'm not saying they stay in sin, but they stay in darkness. They stay in a place where they don't have understanding of the wisdom of God. Praise the Lord. Psalm 119, Psalm 119, verse 90, verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. We could say today, oh, how I love your word. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. And when you meditate on the word all the day and throughout the night, that's when you start finding the gold. That's when those things that are hidden begin to get unveiled by the Spirit. And the writer says, you, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies for they are ever with me. Those commandments are ever with me. And you'll have more light, more illumination, more understanding than even what all the powers of darkness have. They don't know what you're doing. They don't know what you're up to. It's, it's veiled from them. They, they want to see and, and look in, but they can't get on that frequency. They may have just a little bit of an idea, but they can't, they can't see what it is that you and God are up to. The glory of God being revealed into your life until it's too late 
and it's already been accomplished. Praise God. Praise God. The writer said, you make me wiser than my enemies. I would like to share with you today four of the manifold, multifaceted, beautiful, infinite varieties of the wisdom of God. Are you ready? Are you ready? We're going to unveil them today on Easter Sunday. Praise God. The number one hidden area of the multifaceted wisdom of God is communion. Woo! John chapter 6. Let's take a look at it. John chapter 6, verse 53. Now I'm going to share some things today. I want you to understand that each one that I'm going to share, although you've probably heard of them, they still all have a major element of mystery to them. And because of that, many people in the church don't understand the power and they don't, they're, they're not able to tie into that flow of anointing that is connected to each one. John chapter 6, verse 53, Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Ooh, I like that. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. We are talking about the wisdom of God. Every time we take communion, we renew our eternal life policy. Woo! I like that. Let me say it again. Every time we take communion together, we are renewing the eternal life policy that we have through the shed blood of Jesus that brings us in into the new covenant. Woo! Thank you, Lord Jesus. In communion, we contact the very life of God. Jesus, He is the vine. And what flows from Him goes into the branches, and we are the branches. So if you partake of communion with this understanding, you will realize that the communion table is the best hospital that you can take your case to. You can come home with that doctor's report, and you can sit down with that doctor's report, and you can say, Father God, thank you for the doctors. And thank you for medical science and all they have done. But Lord, I can take communion and the very life of you that, that you have, that divine life. While I take communion, that life flows from the vine into the branches, and I can receive my healing through the receiving of the flesh and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The communion infuses God's life into your blood, into your bone, into your bone marrow, into your mind, into your inner man, into your spirit. That is a infusion that has taken place when you receive with a knowledge of the power of communion when you receive it thus, you are receiving an infusion, an injection of the life of God into your body, 
your mind, and your spirit. I dare you to believe it, because it is the 100% truth. Here in this ministry, we take communion twice a week. On Sunday morning, we'll take it here in just a little bit. We also take it on Wednesday morning during our Bible study called Morning Glory. But the Apostle Paul said, as often as you take it. So you can take it as often as you want. And there are those who take it every day. I don't always take it every day. I try to take it every day, but I don't always take it every day. I take it at least twice a week, at least, and sometimes more. But you can take it just as often as you want. The communion it's a mystery. It's an end time mystery that is being unveiled to the end time church. Glory to God. Because it's a mystery, there are those who say, I don't understand it. But here's the thing. God didn't call you to understand it. God called you to believe it. God didn't call you to dissect it and try to, you know, get full logical interpretation of it, because your mind does not have the capacity to lock on to divine mysteries. That's why they're divine. It's like the Trinity. You're never going to understand Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three distinct personalities, yet one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. It's a mystery. So is communion. And you don't need to figure it out. You just need to believe it. Because with your mind, you can't figure it out. Just accept it. And this is where most evangelical Christians have missed this wisdom of God. Because evangelicals, they will say that the bread and the grape juice is an emblem. It's a symbol of the body and the blood of Jesus. But there's nowhere in Scripture where it says it's an emblem or a symbol. Jesus said, this is my blood, and this is my flesh. And you are to drink my blood, and you are to eat my flesh, because it is drink and it is food indeed. That's what he said. He didn't say anything about a symbol. Well, I don't understand that. He didn't call you to understand it. He just called you to believe it. The same evangelical theologian that will tell you that it's a symbol or an element will turn right around and also tell you that speaking in tongues today is of the devil. Yep, the same evangelical theologian with a PhD will tell you that this is, this is an element, these are symbols, and then he'll turn right around and tell you there's no more miracles today, and that speaking in tongues is of the devil. So I would really suggest that you rethink your theology about the communion table. Because if you get a revelation of this hidden wisdom of God, you will partake of the hidden manna. And the Israelites trekked through the wilderness for 40 years, eating manna, and it sustained them. And Jesus came along and told the Jews, I was that bread of heaven that came down. They were eating me, is what he said. Oh, woo! 40 years on a little bitty manna wafer. Well, that's impossible, Pastor Stephen. There's not enough nutrition in a piece of manna. There's no way they could live off that for 40 years. They did. 
They did. And that's the Bible truth. Because they were eating Christ. And when you receive that little wafer and that little uh, cup of, of juice, you are receiving what is what is by faith, what is what is by God now the flesh and blood of Jesus. And you are receiving an infusion of God's divine nature into your very body. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Did you know that there are saints who were called by the Spirit of God to transition off of human food and begin to live off the communion only? Teresa Newman, the German mystic, oh, she was a terror to Hitler. Hitler was terrified of her. But she lived for 36 years off of the communion. The little tiny cup of wine and the little bitty wafer administered to her by the Catholic priest. And that's all she had for 36 years. Praise God. Oh, Pastor Stephen, somebody was probably sneaking her a salami sandwich. No, she was checked out too often, too many times. She had, she had the doubters and the skeptics, and they had watches 24 hours around the clock with doctors, and the doctors were just totally baffled, just totally baffled. They couldn't understand it. They couldn't understand it. She would lose weight and gain it right back. 36 years, and when the priest came to bring the little bitty wafer, which when blessed was the flesh of Christ, when he came with the little wafer, the wafer would leap into her mouth, and she would receive it. And she operated in all nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. She operated real heavy in discerning of spirits. She operated real strong in word of knowledge. And when you came into her room to visit her, you better have your life right with God because you're walking into a, a in a place where you're she's going to look at you as like a glass house and she she could operate and tell you what your life how your life was with the Lord uh, if anybody walked in who was a minister of the gospel just by seeing their hands that had been ordained she could tell whether or not you're a minister just by looking at your hands and she could know all kinds of secret, uh, secrets about your life she could read the secret hearts the secret desires of your life and she was, she was operating in that every single day. Every single day. Glory to God. And there have been many other saints who were sustained by nothing else but communion. I could teach for an hour. I'm not exaggerating. I, I could teach for three hours and give you name after name after name of men and women that Christ called into a close walk with him where for at least a decade I could teach for at least three hours on people that lived for over 10 years with no food no water they lived on nothing but this don't tell me this is not supernatural explain to me how somebody can live on this for 36 years operate in the gifts of the spirit have no food and no water well, that's the devil, Pastor Stephen. No, that's not the devil. That's God. That's God. Because those people were holy. 
And some of the people that I've met who've had the deepest walk with God, the majority of them have been Catholics. Catholics. And I'm not saying I agree with all the Catholic doctrine. I, I, I don't. But I agree with a lot of it. And I'm not saying I agree with all the ev evangelical doctrine either. Because there's a lot of evangelicals that'll tell you there's no more miracles today. The Holy Spirit doesn't do anything today. There's no more gifts of the Spirit today. And uh, I don't agree with that. And they'll also tell you that this is just an emblem. This is just a little emblem. And that's why they're still taking it, and they're still sick. They think it's just a little emblem. But when you realize you are taking the flesh and the blood of Jesus, you'll have, an, you'll have amazing experiences with the Lord. Hallelujah. Haha. <laughs> I could tell you some things, some encounters I've had with the Lord in the Spirit. One time my wife and I were in New York City. I won't tell you the church, but it was a church that was not spirit-filled, not charismatic, not Pentecostal, not by a long shot. They were a traditional type of church that, how can we say in some ways the cloud of glory has moved on, and they haven't moved with it. But they still hold to certain teachings in the church. They still hold to communion, that when you take this, you're receiving the body and the flesh of Jesus. And when the priest came in to minister, I could tell this, this is a man of God. This man is saved. This man is born again. He might not talk in tongues, but he's born again. But as I watched this church, as I watched this beautiful cathedral, where this building is a very glorious facility, but as I watched the members, I saw many members, probably the majority that were living in an area of defeat, and many people that were in the building were probably not even born again probably had no knowledge of God. They're sitting there, they're, they're not even saved. Well, at least they're there. It's a good place to be. But I'll tell you this, the moment the priest took that wafer, and he blessed it, and said, this is now the flesh of Jesus. The moment he blessed it, and he blessed the cup, boom, the fragrance of Christ, a frankincense and myrrh exploded through the entire gigantic cathedral. And my wife and I, we looked at each other and we started laughing. And we'll say, we said, well, you know, the majority of the people in here, they have, they have no idea that when they're taking this, that they're actually taking the, ble the blood and the flesh of Christ. And they're even unbelievers taking it. They don't know what they're doing. So it's having no effect on them. But for those who walk in the wisdom of God, you know what you're receiving. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's veiled. It's veiled. Multifaceted, manifold, wisdom of God. It's veiled. So many of the mysteries of God, the wisdom of God is veiled. And if you don't dig for it, you're not going to find out what the truth. I, I really would like to know the truth on that, Pastor Stephen. I'll tell you what, you dig and you will know. You will find out through, through Scripture and through personal divine encounter of the truth. As for me, it's settled. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Communion makes it impossible for any devil to harm and harass your life. Just like the Israelites traveling through that great desert, and there were so many that wanted to hurt them and harm them, but the Lord said, touch not my anointed 
that would be his people and do my prophets no harm. And God rebuked kings and God even rebuked prophets and put them in their place if they tried to hurt his people. And that's what's going on. They're taking that manna. They're taking that manna, which was a type of communion. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm excited today in my spirit to take communion with you. Let's go on. Let's talk just for a moment about another mystery that's veiled to many people. Let me show it to you from Scripture. This will be 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You are blessed today. The wisdom of God is not hidden from you. It is being unveiled to you with your eyes wide open. We are now in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and let's go to verse 7. I want to show you something that's a mystery, even to many in the church, they don't understand it. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Do you know how the world walks? Do you know how the unbelievers walk that don't know God? Do you know how some Christians walk who really never go deep into the kingdom of God? This is how they walk. They walk by sight and not by faith. They completely reverse engineer that verse. That's exactly what they do. They reverse it. That's how they live. And their motto is, we walk by faith and not by sight. That's actually how they live. But when God unveils the mystery of faith, you realize, oh, I, I believe and then I see. So I walk by faith in God's Word, in what God said. I trust Him, even though it doesn't maybe look like it in the natural. I trust His Word, and when I trust His Word, my circumstances begin to conform to His Word, and my life begins to line up with the Word. And so God says, let the poor say, I am rich. Let the weak say, I am strong. Hallelujah. And the psalmist cried out and said, I shall live and not die, and I shall proclaim the works of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you start to live your life by faith, not by what you see. And you get to a place you're not moved by what you see or feel or hear or the physical realm. You are moved by the Word of God. Why? The mystery of faith has been unveiled to you. And you walk by faith, not by sight. While others all around you, they walk by what they see. Wow. And you think, you think, Lord, they just don't get it, do they? They just don't get it. And some of the church, you just think, wow, they just don't get it. And even if you teach it to them and try to explain it to them, they just don't get it. Why? A veil lies over their eyes. But the moment you get hungry for truth, and the moment you thirst after righteousness, and you say, God, I want to know, and you become a truth seeker, and you begin to dig for the gold nuggets of truth, it starts to get unveiled to you. Glory to God.
Praise the Lord Jesus. So we have the mystery of communion, the wisdom of God hidden in the act of communion unveiled to you. We have the wisdom of God unveiled through the operation of faith. And we also have the wisdom of God that has overthrown the principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this world, the mighty blood of Jesus. Mm. Mm. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Hallelujah. They're all in. And I pray that you be all in, also completely surrendered to the Lord. Oh, the blood of Jesus terrifies the enemy. Why? Because the enemy knows you're not afraid. You're one of those Christians whose life is surrendered and laid down. You, in a sense, are a living martyr. Woo, hallelujah. You make the enemy very nervous. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm -hmm. You overcome by the blood of the Lamb. First John chapter 1. I really like this. Verse 7. But if we walk in the light... As he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It's like having the washer going all the time. You put the dirty clothes in, just put them in all you want. That washer can handle anything. Why? The washer has the detergent you need. It's the blood of Jesus. And as long as you're walking with Jesus, walking in the light, that washing machine of the blood of Jesus is just cleansing you all the time. You don't have to be walking around saying, God, forgive me of this. God, forgive me of that. God, I'm sorry. Sorry, I had a thought about that. God, I had a thought about that. No, you're walking with God, serving God, doing the best you can. And that blood's washing you all the time. Hallelujah. It's the mystery of the blood of Jesus unveiled. The wisdom that angels long to look into. Mm-mm. Exodus chapter 12. Exodus 12 verse 13. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. For the Lord will pass, verse 23, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. And that Passover lamb that was slain by every family, that blood that was taken from that little sweet innocent lamb and put on the doorpost of the house. That was a type and a shadow of Christ, the Passover lamb slain for you that we might be people that through that blood have access into the very throne room of God, have our sins washed away, have the blood over the mantle of our heart, and the enemy cannot hijack any area of our life. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God, the blood of Jesus over your life, your mind, your body, your property, your wallet, your purse. Your purse will never be lost. Your money will never be stolen. The things that God has given you will never be misplaced because they're covered with the blood of Jesus.
Hallelujah. The blood of Jesus over your children under your authority. The blood of Jesus covers your children. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Just walk around your house and say the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. The blood of Jesus is against you. You cannot come into my house. Hallelujah. And when the destroyer came and saw the blood, the destroyer said, I can't stop here. I've got to go somewhere else where the blood is not applied. Hallelujah. There may be trouble in your neighborhood. There may be trouble in your neighborhood. There may be uh, mischief go through your neighborhood. But because of the blood of Jesus over your house, they can't come to your house. Glory to God. Glory to God. There were some, there were some people that were on the run from law enforcement. The police were chasing them. This was just a few weeks ago. The police helicopters were out searching with spotlights and my daughter Jennifer had heard on the report that there are criminals on the run and this was about one o'clock in the morning well she found out the next day that they actually tried to get into her backyard and hide in the backyard or maybe try to break into the house but they couldn't get the gate open and you know the gate just has a little thing just flip it up and go in and full grown men could not get the gate open I told I told my daughter I said that's because the angel of the Lord was standing there and as simple as that gate was the gates covered with the blood of Jesus and they couldn't get in and do their mischief and they had to go somewhere else they had to go somewhere else glory to God glory to God and those those two were eventually apprehended and arrested. They could not get through. They could not get through. They couldn't figure it out. The blood of Jesus all over the gates. Hallelujah. The blood of Jesus over everything you have over your vehicle. Hallelujah. Injury free. Accident free. Nothing stolen, lost, or misplaced. Let's go on to another element of the wisdom of God unveiled to you on Passover unveiled to you on Resurrection Sunday, and this would be the amazing, the, uh, the amazing hidden wisdom of prophetic utterance. And when you utter something out under the anointing, it's, it is so charged with God's creative power that it is working, and it is working Immediately, Matthew chapter 21, Matthew chapter 21, glory to God, Matthew 21 verse 19, and he, that would be Jesus, seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves, and said to it, let no fruit grow on you ever again, immediately the fig tree withered away. I'm telling you that word, that prophetic decree, that prophetic utterance anointed by the Spirit came out of him and boom, hit that tree. And the moment that word came out, that tree just already starts withering up, already starts dying. Oh, praise be unto the Lord. 
Mm. A prophetic utterance is a divine commandment that is given expression through your mortal lips. And those who give prophetic utterances are the pace setters for miracles. And when you speak against that debt and say in the name of Jesus, be paid down and be paid off in the name of Jesus, and you hit that with that prophetic utterance under the anointing, you may not see it, but it's already it's already working behind the scenes, and it's uh, and blessing is coming towards you to pay off those debts. Glory to God, and see them all removed out of your life. When you speak to that disease that would be in your body, and say in the name of Jesus, you cannot stay. I strike you with the prophetic decree. Get out of my body in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, the anointing of God is flowing. Praise God. It's God using your mouth as His own vocal system, His own PA system, as His own microphone, speaking into that situation so that miracles might be released into your life. Hallelujah. That is the hidden wisdom unveiled to you of the prophetic utterance. Sometimes in prayer, you get so charged with faith. Maybe you prayed for an hour or 40 minutes. Or maybe you prayed for an hour and a half. You get so charged with faith that you come out of that prayer time and you just know that something is rising up and you need to make a prophetic decree. And my, my friend, when that happens, release it. And it'll come out, and it'll come out bold. It'll come out strong. And it can even come out sometimes as thus saith the Lord. What is that? That is the anointing where God is issuing a prophetic decree through your vocal cords, through your mouth, and you are you are submitting your body for God to flow through, and it comes out with power and fire, and it will burn the enemy's camp, and it will burn and consume the enemy's work, and it will release angels, and it will destroy the assignment of the enemy, and you will break through and go through in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. It releases destiny over your life. Praise God. Let's look at one more today. One more. Hallelujah. This is the manifold wisdom of God. So much of the wisdom of God, of God is veiled, and you can't get it if you're carnal. You see it and understand it when you, when you have a spiritual mind. Praise God. Number five, the number five wisdom of God would be the holy anointing oil. Look at this in Mark chapter 6. I absolutely love this one. This one makes me so happy. Mark chapter 6. This is very, very powerful. Mark chapter 6, verse 12. So they went out and preached that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. The anointing oil carries mysterious virtues. Look, you need to see beyond just some kind of chemical composition of olive oil and understand that the Spirit of God has come on that olive oil. 
we're not just pouring olive oil on people because you know this this is fun this is cool I remember many years back growing up in church that I, I watched a service one time where they were anointing some new elders to serve in the body of Christ to serve in the local assembly and the pastor and some of the other elders they took a bottle of oil and they anointed the new elders that were being put in their place to serve as now elders of a church. And that, that I was in my 20s, that was the first time I ever saw anybody anointed with oil. We had never done it in the church I, I saw growing up, but in this one church I saw it took place, and I, and I asked somebody later after the service, I asked one of the leaders, um, what was that anointing of oil? I, I don't understand that. They said, oh, that's just symbolic. We just do that to symbolize, you know, a, a person being placed into a position of leadership. I said, so it's just symbolic. They said, yeah, it's just symbolic. My friends, they didn't know, they didn't know the power of it. So for them, it, it was just an act. Yes, was there an anointing of, of, a plurs, of a person being placed? Yes, because God honors authority and God respects that chain of a command. But when you understand what really can happen, when you release your faith and know what's going on through wisdom with the anointing oil, you'll know this is not a symbol. This is not just something that we do for some kind of like, you know, act to maybe, you know, like maybe make it like more of a somber situation. No, no, no. This oil that we're pouring, this olive oil, the Spirit of God comes on that olive oil, and that oil becomes a conduit for the power of God to come and touch and reside on that person, or on that property that you anoint, or on that land that you anoint, or on that condominium, or that house that you're believing God to receive, hallelujah, the Holy Spirit comes and now touches that thing, and when the Spirit of God touches it, it makes all the difference in the world, and they cast out many demons and anoint it with oil, many who were sick, and healed them. Very interesting, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13. The moment that Samuel the prophet took that horn of oil and poured it on young David, it says, the Spirit of God came upon him, and from thenceforth, from then on, the Spirit of God moved upon him. What happened? The moment that that olive oil that was in that horn. See, Saul was anointed differently. He was anointed with a flask of oil, but David was given the horn of oil. That was a power anointing. And when that oil came on him, the Holy Spirit was on the oil, and David's life was never the same again. It is the mystery of the anointing oil, and you always need to have anointing oil in your house, or if you're going to go out and minister, you need to have anointing oil, and put it on your hands, and when you lay hands on a person, or on that thing, anoint in the name of Jesus with that oil, knowing by revelation through the wisdom of God, that as you anoint with that oil, the Holy Spirit is coming on, is being released 
onto whatever it is that you're laying hands on. Woo, hallelujah. It may just look like a vial of oil, but you must know by revelation, by the wisdom of God, that the Holy Spirit, as you believe, the Holy Spirit comes on that oil. Hallelujah. And when a person has faith to receive, I'm telling you what, the Holy Spirit will come all over that person. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Somebody, you need to go anoint that car that you want. And maybe you want to even put it on a piece of cloth, and maybe just put it on the car somewhere. Hallelujah. Maybe you want to anoint that land of that property that you would like to buy. Just go out there and pray and believe God for it and anoint it with oil. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Anoint that building that you would like to buy, that you've prayed over. Blessed be the name of Jesus forever. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Understand the mystery of the anointing oil. My friends, all of these things that we've talked about today are, are attributes of God's wisdom. They are facets of God's wisdom, and they all have an area of wisdom about it where we don't always understand everything about it or how it works. But if you'll just believe and receive, you will walk in the wisdom of these areas in your life. Praise God. Heavenly Father, I pray for your people today that the mystery of the anointing oil be continually unveiled to them. Father God, that the mystery of faith be unveiled to them. That the mystery of the blood of Jesus be unveiled to your people. That the mystery of prophetic utterance, while some would think it's silly and foolish, they would know it's biblical, and that it's a release of a mighty discharging of power, that they would walk in it, hallelujah, and see the wisdom of it. And Father God, for many others, that they would see the wisdom of communion unveiled, that they are receiving an injection, an infusion of divine nature when they receive the flesh and the blood of Jesus. Father, we give you praise. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for revelation. Out of these five things today, one of them is leaping out. It's jumping. It's jumping so strong in your spirit that you're just about ready to jump up and go out and do it. Maybe you just know, I'm going to go anoint something with oil. I'm going to go do it as soon as this message is over. For others, it's like, Pastor Stephen, hurry, we need to take communion, and we need, we need to take it right now. I'll, I've never taken it the way I'm about to take it, okay? For others, it's an, it's an utterance that you need to declare under that level 19, and you'll see a shift and a shaking as you do. Glory to God. Hallelujah. But grab it by faith and take it and walk in it today in the name of Jesus. There's others right now, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. This is Resurrection Sunday. God sowed His best seed on this day. He sowed His Son. God so loved the world that He gave, so He gave His very best, His Son. He sowed His best seed on this day. On this day. There's some, God speaking to you, you need to sow your best seed today too. 
Just do that. If that's you God's speaking to, do that. Do it bold. Be strong. Step into it. Lean into it. Praise God. Somebody's watching. And if it's not you, it's okay. Somebody's watching. You're supposed to sow $10,000, a $10,000 seed. You do that, you're going to see, you're going to see a mighty resurrection in your life, and you're concerned about your finances, but you have the ability to sow that seed. You have the ability to sow that seed. God's going to do a resurrection miracle for you. Praise God. And there, anybody else watching right now, you would like to sow a special resurrection Passover seed. Go ahead and do that. There's glory on it. There's anointing on it right now. And God will touch it. Yes, He will. He will touch it. And there will be a release of the, of the hidden wisdom of God. And I believe that you'll tie in to Revelation 2, verse 17, where it says, of those who overcame, and you, could, you cannot overcome without wisdom. So those who overcame would be ones that know wisdom. Those who over, overcame, He gives to eat of the hidden manna. And that today is what we're talking about, hidden manna. Not everybody understands it, not everybody knows about it, and because of that they can't apply it. But you have been given access into it, you can give application to it, and you can see mighty things take place in your life. Father, we give you praise, touch your people, those that are sowing a special resurrection seed, let them do that right now by faith, we thank you, we give you praise in Jesus' name, for everybody else, just do the best you can, do what you can, and we certainly appreciate it, and we give God all the honor and praise, and we thank you for your gracious, generous hearts. There's others you're supposed to sow a hundred Hallelujah. Others, God's given you a number. God's given you a number. Somebody's getting the number 333. Hallelujah. And that ties into Jeremiah 33 3. Call unto me, I'll show you great and mighty things that you don't know. So God's giving numbers right now. Somebody's getting 1111. Okay. So God's also giving, getting numbers right now. God's giving numbers by the Spirit of what it is you're to sow. Somebody's getting 444. So somebody's getting 2222. 22. Just let the Holy Spirit lead you. Father, we give you praise and glory. Somebody is getting 777. Father, we give you praise and glory in the name of Jesus. Somebody else is getting 888. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Just do whatever the Holy Spirit would show you to do. And sow it as a resurrection seed of wisdom that God might release resurrection anointing and power upon it. Praise God. Me and the ministry team will pray over every seed that comes in. God bless you as you sow today. Let's take communion together. Father, we thank you. We thank you. For those that don't have the wisdom, for those that have not had the unveiling, they look at things like this and they scoff, they laugh, they even ridicule it. But you know what? They ridicule Jesus too. But there's going to come a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and all of those who scoffed and ridiculed will be shown that they were wrong and that they were giving scorn to the risen Savior, and they will have to repent. And many, many will, uh, they will just go off in the darkness. Others who laughed and scorned, they will fall. They were believe, even believers, and they'll say, God, I didn't know. I didn't know. But my friends, we thank God that we know. Hallelujah. Glory. 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 Hallelujah. Resurrection power is being released. Hallelujah. This is very powerful. This is, this is very, 
very, um, I, I don't want to say serious, but this is a very sacred moment. This is a very special moment that we have come into right now. So we are touching resurrection power through what we're doing. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you that as your people are sowing seed, we are now tying into the life of the vine, and that, that life is flowing into us, the life of Christ. Father, we consecrate and bless the bread, the juice, it is now the flesh and the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Father God. We thank you, Father, as believers all over the world, we can take communion together. If you're watching, take communion with me. So we all join together from many, many nations. We're all taking communion together, celebrating Christ, proclaiming His death until He comes, because it's through His death that we have now victory, the victory that He has won, He has won for us. He didn't die for His sins. He didn't have any. He died for our sins. Praise God forever. Father, we thank You for the body of Jesus. Oh, God, we give You praise. We receive it now. We receive it now knowing that we're never going to understand everything. But Father, we believe and we receive. Because certain mysteries can never be fully unraveled. They will always carry an element of mystery to them. But Father, we receive the body of Jesus with great rejoicing. We receive life, strength, health, divine energy, quickening, sharp minds, long life, long life. Thank you, Father, and prosperity, financial prosperity. In the name of Jesus, we receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's partake together. You're going to meet a lot of nice people in heaven. Everybody in heaven is nice. But you're going to meet some wonderful saints. Go deeper with the Lord. Let the Lord pour you into the realms of glory. Let the Lord pour you, pull you into the realms of the deeper glory. We're like Ezekiel. You get out into the water that's so deep, you can't, you can't cross it. You have to swim in the Spirit. Glory to God. May the Lord pull you deeper today. Hallelujah. Father, we thank You for the blood of Jesus. We receive the blood of Jesus with great rejoicing, knowing that Jesus is triumphant, and He has made the church the triumphant church. And we rejoice in Him that all principality, power, rulers of darkness, and wicked spirits have been put beneath His feet, both now and forever. And they're beneath our feet as well, because we're in Him, we're in the body. So thank you, Father God. We've been raised high above all the powers of darkness. We have been enthroned with Christ, seated with Him in heavenly, realm, in heavenly realms, and we rule and reign with Him. We give You praise. Thank You, Father God. Strengthen us that we might bring in the great harvest of souls, and build Your church up strong. We give You praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the blood of Jesus. Glory to God. Now dive into those five things. There's a real strong anointing right now for prophetic decrees. Make those prophetic decrees, and then step into what God shows you to do. Thank you for watching. Thank you for sowing your seed. Father, bless the seeds that are being sown. Bless them in a mighty way. Multiply them with resurrection power. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father God. Raise up their businesses. Raise up their prosperity.
raise up their health. We give you praise, raise up their joy. Make the way smooth, make the way straight. Father, we give you praise for unparalleled levels of comfort that your spirit, the great comforter, is bringing into their life right now. We thank you, Father God. We bless it. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for watching. I look forward to seeing you back next time. God bless you. Happy Passover. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Day. Bye-bye. <laughs>